Are you tired of listening to all the things your child doesn't want to do? Whether it's schoolwork or going to bed or getting out of bed or all the other things that just don't seem to be on their agenda for the day. Well, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Before we get started on today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shoparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shoparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names. To help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shoparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shoparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before, meaning you can get their great prices all day, every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives. Well, hey there, Ginger. I'm so excited for another Ask Ginger episode, or as we like to call it, we're so creative, Q&A day. (laughs) I think that was my idea. (laughs) Oh, it's very creative creative then, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. So Katie and I love Q&A day because it gives us an opportunity to really interact with our listeners. You guys have just sent in so many awesome questions. And it really makes it hard for us to pick which ones to answer because we would just love to answer all of them. Uh, So one thing that we do is we look for patterns of questions that are along the same lines. For example, we just had this crazy influx of questions uh, that started coming in about kids biting and hitting. And so that's why we chose to do a two-part episode on that topic, because we knew from you guys writing in that biting and hitting have become a big problem with kids today. By the way, those were episodes 31 and 32 if you missed them. Yeah, so please keep those questions coming in so that we know what kind of struggles your kids are having, and hopefully we'll be able to offer some encouragement for how you might can help your children through those struggles. And while we may not be able to answer every question that comes in uh, for the podcast, please know that I read and pray over every single one that comes in. So when you write in, your family is being prayed for. Now, Katie, before you read the first question from Brittany in Arkansas, I heard you got a little surprise package in the mail the other day. You want to tell our listeners about it? 
No, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who uh, might be new to the podcast, we did an episode on booger eaters, oh, nail biters, goodness. and mess makers a while back. Mm. And the whole booger thing, it was just a real struggle for Katie. She still hasn't gotten over I it. I told my husband, uh, when this came in the mail, I was simultaneously, it was the most hilarious and the most disgusting thing I've ever received in the mail. But Ginger's sweet and very proper Southern mama sent me a care package in the mail. And when I opened it, there was a brown paper bag with the words barf bag written on it. And inside the paper bag was a box of candy. And I'm not kidding, Ginger. I'm not even going to say the name of the candy because I'm afraid I'm going to get it. <laughs> it, was, it was a box of It was a box of boogers. Oh, y'all. It, it's a sour candy. And the tagline is not your regular gummy. And this is the worst part. The box said, I mean, I'm the box says that they look and feel real. Seriously, if that is not the most disgusting thing I have ever heard, I don't know what is. And then Ginger, my kids were like, can we eat them all? And I, was like, I could hardly answer their, I was like, no. I was gagging and laughing at the same time, which is hard to do. I'm sure. Just a quick shout out to my mama who paved the way for me to bring this whole topic back up with Katie. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Mumsy. Yes, thank you, Mumsy. Ginger, your mom is hilarious. She's my kind of people because while I am completely grossed out by the care package, I'm super impressed by her thoughtfulness. <laughs> she is super, super thoughtful. I don't remember where she found those, but she immediately thought about you and she said that she <laughs> laughed all the way to the post office. <laughs> she actually texted me a picture of the box, which was blurry, by the way, because she couldn't hold the phone still because she was laughing so hard. But I was able to make out from her picture that they came in three delicious flavors. Oh, Snottermelon, mm -mm. sour green, boogie, and slime apple. Stop! <laughs> I gag and laugh every time. So the box is sitting on our dining room table, which is actually probably the grossest part of this whole story that I left them on the dining room table. I can't bring myself to throw them away or let my kids eat them. I'm just waiting for someone else to decide what to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am coming to spend the night with you this Thursday night, yeah. so just leave them there, and uh, I'll help you decide when I get there. And we can just go over all the options for what to do. Okay. <laughs> we got to move on before I break a sweat again. <laughs> that whole episode. Oh, okay, but wait, one, I know, I know. But one more thing. Katie uh, texted me a picture of her reaction when she opened the package, <laughs> which was, who took that picture? Brian. That was so hilarious. So I think we actually need to put that picture in our show notes because you guys you have to see her reaction it is so funny and we'll also put a link uh to where you guys can purchase your own box of boogers in oh, case your kids are listening seriously? because i'm sure that uh they're all going to want one if they're listening mm -mm. so you're welcome <laughs> and we'll let all the amazon affiliate proceeds go to katie for that one how about oh, that oh good now i can afford more <laughs> barf bags <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm done. I'm done. All right. So what's okay. our first question? All right. So just to give our listeners a heads up today, we're going to answer questions about kids who don't want to specifically kids who don't want to do their schoolwork and kids who don't want to stay in bed, which I don't know how many kids that would describe probably all of them. Probably. Brittany in Arkansas writes this. I'm homeschooling my five year old son. How should I handle his negative attitude and disinterest when it comes to handwriting and coloring worksheets? I try not to harp on the worksheets too much because of his age, but on the other hand, he has to learn to complete worksheets at some point. He is a very active, typical boy. 
So basically, when kids don't want to do their schoolwork. Katie, you're still in the throes of homeschooling, and it has been a while for me. So I'm going to let you take this one. Okay, sure. Well, hey, Brittany, as you know, Ginger and I are both huge advocates of homeschooling, and we commend you for taking on such a huge commitment. And it really is. We can both identify with the struggle to get our young kids or any kids to take direction from teacher mom. So let me share something that a very wise homeschooling mom shared with me when my little ones were in early elementary school. And by that time, her homeschooled kids were grown, college educated, and very successful adults. So I believed what she told me. And here's what she said. You're trying to do too much. You are trying to do school at home. This is homeschooling. It's very different. And they encouraged me, this mom especially encouraged me to put away the worksheets if our little ones didn't want to do them. Some kids love that. Um, Others don't. And they encouraged me to read, read, read to our kids, to cuddle with them and play games with them and cook with them. Not one mom who has homeschooled her kids, has ever looked back and wished she had given them more worksheets in kindergarten. I promise you. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll admit, I was a little bit offended when this precious mama told me that because I felt like I was doing the right thing. And it felt like she was telling me that I was being too extra, you know, too uptight about it or something. But the truth is that she was trying to save me from stressing over the small things and to savor the things that will be gone so soon, uh, like reading aloud together on the couch. Because I promise you, your child will learn how to do worksheets, but he doesn't need to learn how to do that right now. I feel the same way about reading, and I know some people will want to argue with me about this, but I don't believe we need to force our children to read before they're ready. Now, some kids are ready at three or four. Mine weren't. Um, We also wouldn't want to force our children to wear a certain size shoe because that's what five-year-olds should be wearing. So I didn't teach our oldest to read until he was well past that normal, and I'm putting that in quotes, normal time frame. And he learned in a matter of weeks because he was ready. He was motivated. So like your son, he's an active boy and their minds aren't made for sitting in a chair doing handwriting at five years old. So Brittany, my advice to you is to let your little boy play in the dirt and build things and throw rocks, not at people, but throw rocks or whatever boys like to do (laughs) until his little heart's content. Maybe even encourage him to write his letters in the mud or make letters out of rocks. You know, you can easily sneak in a little bit of school that way without overwhelming their little minds. I would aim in kindergarten for 20 to 30 minutes a day you know, at that age. And then if he's able, you can extend that as he matures. So I think the balance we'll always try to strike as homeschooling moms is how much to require them to do because it's necessary in our minds and how much we can let go because it's just not a good fit for our family or even for that particular child. And that's something you really will just learn as you go, probably by trial and error, and that's okay. Uh, But in the meantime, try to keep the long view in focus. Your five-year-old will not suffer if he doesn't learn to do worksheets this year or next year or probably the next five years. So that's just this mama's opinion. Please don't call me if he gets to college and can't do his homework. (laughs) (laughs) Brittany, my only regret with homeschooling was that I was too structured and too much of a stickler with my kids completing assignments that someone else deemed necessary for them to complete, Mm -hmm. especially in the younger years. If I could go back and do all my homeschooling years again, I would have been so much more relaxed with it. And we would have had way more fun during those earlier years. Kids who learn in a relaxed 
relaxed environment and at their own pace and in accordance with their natural curiosities and interests are kids who love to learn. And once you instill in them a love for learning by nurturing the things that do interest them, you'll start seeing a whole new level of motivation in your kids. You'll start seeing an eagerness and an excitement to learn. So take it from an uptight veteran homeschooling (laughs) mama who wishes she could go back and take a completely different approach. I've got two words that will hopefully bring freedom to you and your kids and make your homeschooling years much more memorable and enjoyable. Two words that will radically change your life chill out. (laughs) Just chill out and let your kids enjoy learning at their own pace. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying let your kids call all the shots when it comes to learning and schoolwork. Of course, there needs to be some structure. But what I am saying is consider the maturity level of your kids and definitely take into consideration the things that interest them. And then take advantage of the many ways they can learn naturally and uh, that are in accordance with their interest. And let me just say that I seriously hope my adult kids aren't listening to this episode because if they are, I'm sure I'll be getting an earful. My poor kids. I mean, even the lady who oversaw the homeschooling, uh, the the one who was over the homeschooling covering, the one who was in charge of making sure that they were getting all of their uh, adequate education and doing all the things that they needed to do. When she would come over to evaluate, she would always say that I was just completely overboard with all that I had my kids doing. And I was. I mean, for years, I made my kids complete every page in every workbook. Y'all, that's just brutal. Mm. They don't even do that in the school system. I think most schools only require about 70% of the work per subject to be completed. And so I was just so over the top. I was just so anxious about making sure my kids got a good education, so much so that I think in a lot of ways, I stifled their love for learning by trying to replicate the strategies of the traditional school system. I even had a seasonal bulletin board I decorated. I mean, who is who even has time for that? Oh, like with the borders and all that kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff. That's awesome. all of that. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a score. It was <laughs> ridiculous. It took so much time, and those things made me anxious, and mm. they made my kids anxious. So, y'all, please learn from my mistakes. Homeschooling mamas, just just listen to what I'm saying. Let them learn at their own pace and in more natural ways that encourage a love for learning. And pray about those ways. Ask God that for Him to give you discernment and guidance and he'll lead you and he'll give you peace. Mm. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God who transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And let me just add that In my opinion, and based on the mistakes that I made, uh, the absolute best book about homeschooling is The Four-Hour School Day by Dorinda Wilson. I homeschooled for 15 years, and I read a lot of books about it. Dorinda's book is by far, in my opinion, the most insightful, compelling, and profound book I've ever read on that topic. And, uh, you know, I would have just done so many things differently if I'd had this book during our homeschooling days. And so I just can't recommend it highly enough, especially for folks like me who are just naturally super structured and routined and thorough. It will change your whole perspective on homeschooling. And take my word for it, it will bless you and it will bless your kids. So again, it's called The Four-Hour School Day by Dorinda Wilson. And we'll put a link in the show notes to that book. Also, Brittany, this was the perfect timing for your question because next week's guest on our podcast is none other than Dorinda Wilson. Yay! 
I know. Katie and I just recently decided that we actually don't know everything. <laughs> and I know this is, I know that probably comes as a shock to you guys, but we don't. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, <laughs> uh, I know, I know. So anyway, we've just started. Uh, we've decided to start having occasional guests who might know a little more than we do on certain topics. And I just couldn't think of a better first guest than my friend Dorinda. Um, I've been so fired up about having her as a guest ever since I read her book. So trust me, you guys are going to be so blessed by what she has to say next week. Okay, so Brittany, I know after all of my confessions and shortcomings, you might decide to completely tune me out, but <laughs> I do actually have one tip about worksheets. Um, it's a lesson that I learned the hard way, like so many lessons in my life. But when I finally learned to loosen up a little bit with my kids, I started letting them just work even or odd problems on a lot of those worksheets. So many workbooks for school just have way too much busy work because they have to occupy so much time in the classroom. But as homeschoolers, that's not our goal. So having them do even or odd numbered problems, I remember I always did that with Saxon math because it was just way too much busy busy work for my kids. Um, that's just a simple and easy way to cut that workload in half. Because if they're getting it and, you know, they're not having any problems understanding it, there's just no need for all that repetitiveness. In fact, I found that uh, there is so much unnecessary repetitiveness in traditional school books that I actually wound up allowing Wesley to completely skip eighth grade because the entire curriculum was nothing but review. Learning is necessary. Busy work is a waste of time, mm. and it's time that could be better spent on something that encourages creativity and learning about things that are of more natural interest to our kids, things that might actually benefit them uh, in whatever career path they choose. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm. And I was like, yeah, dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> and then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID. You know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. 
That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper, but my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. Our family uses Matthew C. for our math curriculum, and they actually encourage parents to only require as many worksheets as your child needs to master the concept. Once it's mastered, there's no need to continue with the busy work. So in our house, worksheets are meant as practice and to reinforce necessary concepts. I also use them to keep our youngest child quiet because he loves to do worksheets. But Hmm. I think that's definitely not the norm with six-year-old boys. Mm, Yeah, I would say not. In fact, he sort of forced me to find worksheets for him to do. So, you know. (laughs) Wow, that is unusual. Yeah, it is very unusual. That's great, though. Our next I don't want a question came in on Ginger's Instagram account from rcole15, who writes this. I love your podcast. I have three boys. They're three, four, and a baby. Wow. Uh, My older two share a room in our small home. Every morning they wake up very early, get out of bed, and loudly play in their room. They jump, scream, etc. I'm not one to wake up late, but it becomes earlier and earlier every morning. They can even push it to 5 a.m. Ouch. (sighs) I have a new baby now, and I am usually in my room nursing him, trying to shower and get ready before 7. I don't think that's an unreasonable time. For more than six months, I've tried to get them to sit quietly in their beds and wait for me with no success. Could you please help? We actually had someone submit a quick tip for addressing this issue with younger kids. It was from Melissa in Missouri who wrote, Here's a tip for young toddlers about 15 to 24 months who are climbing out of their beds. Usually they're able to do this by hiking one leg over the rail and then straddling the side of the crib. Well, if you put them in a sleep sack, they are unable to spread their legs far enough apart to do this. She goes on to say, and if you have a very clever toddler who likes to undress themselves in their beds, then you can put the sleep sack on backwards with a zipper going up the back and they won't be able to undress themselves or climb out of their bed. Yeah, you'll be able to sleep more soundly knowing that you won't be waking up uh, anymore hearing uh, them crash landing on the floor or finding them eating toothpaste in the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Mel- Melissa, for sharing that quick tip with us. Uh, it was really good timing. Now, I am aware that some of our listeners might view putting a young toddler in a sleep sack as cruel, but y'all, I mean, think about it. It can be very dangerous for a child that young to be up and roaming around the house unsupervised. Mm. I actually remember my brother, Stephen, when he was about three years old, getting up in the middle of the night to try to sneak some cookies out of the kitchen cabinet. <laughs> and the cabinet just happened, just so happened that it was over the cooktop. And we all woke up with him screaming at the top of his lungs because what he had done is he had climbed up onto the cooktop to get to the cabinet. And somehow in climbing up, he had managed to turn on all four burners on high. (gasps) And so, uh, yeah, about the time they all got red hot, he was trapped and he couldn't get away from this. So he's screaming. That is terrifying. 
<laughs> yeah, well, my parents thought it was terrifying. I, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, it is terrifying what a unsupervised child can get into in the house. It's dangerous. So for a child who doesn't want to stay in bed and is disobeying in this area, I just don't see the whole sleep sack thing as as being cruel at all. I see it as potentially life-saving. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Now, to my Instagram friend, rcole15, I realize you said that your boys are three and four, but if they absolutely will not obey and stay in bed, I don't think this is such a bad idea. I would just simply say, uh, you know, sweetie, the Bible says that children are supposed to obey their parents in the Lord because that's what's right. So until you learn to obey and stay in bed, you have to sleep in the sleep sack. And I do realize that a three or four-year-old might figure out how to unzip it, even if it is backwards where the zipper is on the back. But I would just say, you know, you may not get out of your sleep sack. You need to obey. And if he chooses to disobey, well, that's direct disobedience and there should be a consequence for direct disobedience. And let me just go ahead and address the number one question that we get every time I mention that there should be a consequence. And that is, what consequence do you recommend? Well, That's why I wrote the book, Don't Make Me Count to Three. There are four chapters dedicated to the nitty-gritty of consequences. And um, we'll tell you how to get a discount on that book at the end of the episode. We also talked about, uh, what what episode was that? Episode 27, Katie, where we talked about disciplining young children. Mm -hmm. So if you missed that one and you're curious about uh, consequences for young children, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode 27. And just one more thing about the sleep sack for those of you who think that a three or four-year-old uh, might be too old for that. Let me just tell y'all that Katie just turned 40 and she still <laughs> sleeps in one. I do. <laughs> she this really is, does. This is true, but only when I'm in a nasty hotel bed or any hotel bed. Um Okay, Ginger. So it's a silk cocoon thing. Let me explain. I know. I've seen it. But go ahead well, and tell I'm about explaining it. to our listeners. I know you've seen <laughs> me in my cocoon. It's a silk cocoon thing that keeps me from having to touch the hotel sheets or the pillow. It's a problem. And I know that. But I also know I'm not alone in this because there are products for people like me. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have Heather put a link in the show notes to the cocoon thing I use when I travel. <laughs> I, I really like it. Man, I love that this entire episode makes me seem like a total nutcase. <laughs> awesome. Fun, isn't it? I'm it is. Fun. It's so fun. <laughs> I do have a few ideas for this poor mama whose kids wake up as early as 5 a.m., which honestly, oh. that makes me want to cry just thinking mm-hmm. about it. When our kids were toddlers and they weren't yet able to read a clock, we bought these color-coded clocks on Amazon. And we'll put a link in the show notes to those, but they would turn green when it was okay for the child to come out of their room. These worked beautifully for our kids for the most part. Mm, I actually like that idea better, Katie, for kids who are already in bed, Mm -hmm. but I really like the sleep sack idea. I think that's a good one for kids who are still in cribs and trying to climb out of the cribs because, you know, that can be really dangerous. Well, I really get hurt even just trying to climb out of the crib. Exactly. Exactly. Um, But we did go through a season with our two youngest kids where they would come out of their rooms multiple times every night. And, you know, the question had a lot to do with screaming and yelling in the morning as well. So this could be an option. Um, But we bribed our kids with jelly beans every morning. (laughs) So if they stayed in their rooms all night and didn't disrupt everyone else when they woke up, they got three jelly beans in the morning. And even though we usually only had one child at a time who was struggling with this, 
all three of our kids would get the candy. That's called a common grace. That's, what, <laughs> that's an example I love that. of common grace. <laughs> you probably won't find that in many parenting books, but it worked really well for us. So actually, I'm going to write my own parenting book called Make Me Count Three Jelly Beans. <laughs> <laughs> you and your jelly beans, Katie. <laughs> but as Ginger said, desperate times call for desperate measures and I'm sorry, but kids waking up the entire house at 5 a.m. is the definition of desperate times, in my opinion. (laughs) Mm, Agree, agree, agree. Yeah, that's just way, that's way too early. It's awful. Well, Ginger, I don't want to end this episode, but it's time. (laughs) See what I did there. Uh, Can you please leave us with a final word of encouragement? Yeah, we saw what you did there, Katie. (laughs) Your clever antics rarely go unnoticed, mainly because you always point them out. (laughs) (laughs) I do. (laughs) So what do we... What do we do when our kids don't want to? Well, first, I think it's wise to evaluate and consider why they don't want to. If it's a valid reason, like an overload of schoolwork that's causing exasperation, we might consider changing course. But if they don't want to do something that we know is best and safe, like obeying and staying in bed instead of roaming the house unsupervised, then we want to do whatever it takes to make them want to. Personally, I just want to be more like Katie. (laughs) Of course you do, Ginger. I'm sure everyone wants to have to sleep in a cocoon and bribe their children with jelly beans. And and suck jelly beans out of their white gloves on Sunday morning when they're a kid. (laughs) That was a good story. Yeah, that's a great story. In reality, though, the reason I wanted to do this podcast and the reason I'm sure many of our listeners tune in is because we want to be more like you, Ginger. And what I mean by that is more like a mom who isn't afraid to admit her faults. And you do that often on this podcast Mm -hmm. for our benefit and to cling to God's word as she leads her children to Christ. Mm -hmm. I know you weren't fishing for a compliment, but I, (laughs) I thought this was a good opportunity to say how much I appreciate you taking so much time. And listeners, it's so much time that Ginger puts into the podcast to encourage us all. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, Katie. It's my honor and privilege. And this is one of my, it's quickly become one of my favorite things in the whole world to do. Um, And, you know, I just want to say thank you for all of your wisdom. It's funny. I, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast. I know I've said it to Katie. But when we first decided to do a podcast together, one of my friends who is a popular podcaster strongly encouraged me to not have a partner um, to do the podcast alone. And she said, because it could be, um, she could quickly kind of take over and then you'd be in a very awkward situation. So I actually sat Katie down and said, you know, um, we're going to do a podcast together, but you know, you're kind of interviewing me (laughs) and you need to let me answer the questions and all that. But I think we were on maybe episode three when I just saw how much wisdom the Lord had given you. And I said, you know what, Katie, everything I said about you not saying a whole lot on the podcast, (laughs) just cancel that. We're partners in this. You say anything you want to say. So I am very thankful for you and all the time that you put into this, which is a lot of time for Katie as well. So, but we love what we're doing. We love encouraging you guys. And we just pray that it will continue um, to help you reach the hearts of your kids. Thank you, Ginger. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or review? This just helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. 
While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering Ginger's best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three Jelly Beans. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You can get her book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, as well as the six-week study guide at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you don't have time to read, that's okay. Uh, We're also offering Ginger's Reaching the Heart of Your Child audio series, which is based on the content of the book. The Reaching the Heart of Your Child audio is available in CD format and as a digital download. Again, you can get 10% off all these resources when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like encouragement daily and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. As a mom, I can't imagine going back to the good old days where parents just sent their teenagers off in a car without a way to call if they, you know, get into a fender bender with their insurance agent's daughter. That's a true story. I did that. And as my kids mature, I like the idea of them being able to reach me if something happens. Uh, But I don't like the idea of giving my kids access to the entire World Wide Web of wackadoos. This is why I'm ecstatic to introduce you to our sponsor, Gab Wireless. They are the first smartwatch and smartphone provider to actually do something smart when it comes to our kids. Gab watches and phones look and feel like all the smart devices on the market, but the great thing is that they don't cost more than a mortgage payment. And they're super safe for kids. There's no internet, no apps, no games, no social media, and no contract. Instead, the Gab watches and phones have just the functionality that is safe for kids and nothing more. Gab watches and phones are just $100 and start at $10 per month for service. But for our podcast listeners, Gab has offered $30 off the price of their watches and phones. Just use the code GINGER at checkout to get your Gab watch or Gab phone for just $70. Go to Gab, that's G-A-B-B wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout. Again, that's Gab, G-A-B-B wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout.